And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the nimble Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1945 classic radio episode of Suspense, starring Zachary Scott. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Frank must correctly answer more true or false trivia questions about Frank Sinatra than I, right? That's it, Carl. All right. Hi, Frank. Hi, Frank. Hey, how are you? Hi, Carl. Good, Good to talk to you, buddy. All the way from Connecticut. Yes. Greenberry, yes. Connecticut. Terrific. All right. All right. You know anything about Frank Sinatra? Oh, I know plenty. Okay. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> excellent. We're going to find out. That's right. I've got, right. My lovely wife. I've got my lovely wife of 55 years here who's going to help me out, too. What's her name? Patricia. All right. Hello. I thought Hi. he was going to say, my lovely wife of 55 years, but I can't remember her name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that would be you, Carl. I will say that um, me Hi. being nimble uh, became yeah. a little bit of a joke on Facebook this week. Oh, really? So people found that to be humorous, well, you as are do nimble. I. You are as nimble. As do I. All right. This is about Frank Sinatra. Uh, he was born December 12th of 1915, and he was 82 years old when he passed in 1998. Mm-hmm. So the first question is for you, Frank. Um, it was the vocal style of Dean Martin that inspired Frank Sinatra to become a singer. Is that true or false? I would say that's false. Yes, that is false. In fact, I think it was Bing Crosby. It is Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely false, and you're both correct. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Bing to go, Crosby Frank. this evening. <laughs> Way to go, Frank. Carl Sinatra won a supporting actor Oscar for his role in the film Ocean's Eleven. That is false. True. It was. Uh, 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 would you wait? Please? I say it's false. That's all you need to say. All right. Okay. <laughs> Frank, is that true or false? I think that's false. I think it was from here to eternity. That's he right. He is right. That's from right. here to eternity is correct, and you're both right. You have it was not, false. You have not fooled either one <laughs> of us, Lisa. All right. There's time, Carl. All right. Frank Reprise is the name of the record label Frank Sinatra founded in 1961. Why? Was it lost? Reprise? He founded it? It was oh. lost? She didn't get it, Frank. I got it. It just wasn't that funny. <laughs> 
That's the problem. <laughs> well, my jokes are not. I know that one. Go is, ahead. Frank, is that true or false? That is true. I agree. It's that true. That is true. All right. Awesome. This is going well. Carl, Frank Sinatra first visited the White House while campaigning for Franklin D. Roosevelt. True. No. False. It's, John Kennedy. It's true. Yeah. Oh, boo. Here's for Ooh, Carl. Here's for Frank. Right. Here's for Frank. Uh-oh. Boo. Uh, a Frank, a Frank Sinatra employed a woman to accompany him on tour specifically to carry a bag stocked with money for tips. Oh, I don't know that one. What do you think? False. False. She says false. It's false because I believe it was his toupees in there. That's right. It was false. You both got it right. Toupees. Carl, final question. Uh-huh. You ready? Yeah. After receiving it as a gift from his uncle, Frank Sinatra learned to play the piano. Mm, false. False. False is correct. It was the ukulele. You guys <laughs> are too good to uh, be true. Yeah. All right. Hey, Frank, guess what? <laughs> you didn't beat the host, but that's okay. I'm going to send you a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas, and I promise you you're going to love it. But, Frank, you were awesome. You. Yeah. you are very good at beat yes. the host, and I hope you'll call back again, both of you together. All right, you guys have a wonderful holidays. Thanks for calling in and playing, okay? You too. We listen every week to you. You guys week. are great. Oh, I appreciate thank that. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Okay. Take care now. We'll see you. Bye-bye. When we come back, it's suspense. You don't want to miss that. Zachary Scott starring. So stay with us. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, before we tune into suspense, two things I want to mention to all of our listeners. The first thing is December 1st, you'll get the newsletter, the Hollywood 360 newsletter, if you have signed up for our free newsletter. There's nothing to buy. You will get our newsletter every first day of the month. And that newsletter has all kinds of great things. There's all kinds of articles about classic radio and just fun and really kind of like pop culture, really. I mean, Lisa writes about music. My brother writes about, well, this uh, issue about the 1960s. Carl Shadow writes about classic radio. He wrote about Hermit's Cave, which was a very scary radio show. Martin Grahams writes. I wrote about George Burns and Gracie Allen. I was friends with George Burns about the last five years of his life. There's actually a picture of me and George in his office in Hollywood. I'm kind of got my arms around him. We're having a good time. Um, The newsletter, as I said, folks, absolutely free. If you've not signed up for it, what are you waiting for? It's absolutely free. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com, Hollywood360radio.com. At the top of the website, just put your email in, and then you'll get the uh, November issue immediately. And then December 1st, you will get the uh, December issue. Same thing in January and February and so on. It also has our full schedule, right, Lisa? The full schedule's in there of all it the sure shows does. we're going to air. 
Right. Yeah. There's a chock full of information and fun in the newsletter. And as you said, it's free and we all contribute to it. So we hope that you will enjoy reading it. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that this show, this five-hour show, we do this every week live, unless, of course, Lisa's on vacation or something like that, which is pretty often well, lately. It does happen especially. in December. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, we, have, uh, we do this five-hour show, Lisa and I and Mike Estella, Every uh, Saturday, we broadcast it on Saturday. Some of our stations carry it live. We we love it. And sometimes they carry it taped and uh, played later. But not all of our stations carry the full five-hour show. So we do make the show available via podcast for only five ninety nine a month. You get, um, you'll get it weekly, though. So you'll get like four or five of them, depending. Uh, every month for only five uh, five ninety nine, and that covers our costs. They send it to you and upload it and put it together and all that. So that's also at our website if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, Hollywood three sixty radio dot com. All right, you ready for suspense, Lisa? Oh yes, I know you like suspense. Uh, I like suspense. Most people love this series. I think so. And these were tales well calculated <laughs> to keep you in suspense. It came to radio. In 1942, and lasted 20 years, all the way to 1962, and it was really considered the best mystery drama series of the Golden Age. All of the big movie stars wanted to appear on Suspense. You know why? They knew they were going to get a great script, terrific supporting cast around them. It was a full orchestra. It was a top-notch series. And millions and millions of people each week were listening to it. So they knew they were going to uh, sound great. And also, they usually got to promote the latest movie they were in or whatever. Um, Nearly 1,000 broadcasts. Imagine that. Almost 1,000 episodes of Suspense were produced. It did make a transition to TV in 1949. Television show was not, I mean, it was okay. But but the, the radio series was amazing. This episode from November 15, 1945, it's a really good one, Lisa. It's called Murder Off-Key. A man can't stand the horrible singing of the obnoxious lady next door or her yipping poodle. The dog soon disappears, and the woman does too. Uh This is good. Zachary Scott stars in this program. It's called Murder Off-Key. Key and is sponsored by your favorite potent potable, Roma oh, Wines. Wines. She loves, Lisa loves Roma Wines. Sure. Yeah. She has a big gallon of it here. <laughs> every week. <laughs> by the end of the night, it'll be gone. How else could I do this every week? <laughs> <laughs> Here's part one now of Suspense. Now, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents... Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Zachary Scott as star of Murder Off Key, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. 
Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Mr. Zachary Scott in a remarkable tale of suspense. If I could just shut out that singing, I'd be all right. But it goes on pounding inside my head, and I keep hearing Violet screech those desperate, urgent scales. The first time I heard her, I was sitting on the balcony outside the apartment. But everything was unnaturally still, the way it is late at night. Maybe that's why her singing sounded louder than it actually was. There was something abnormal about it, as though a control inside her had snapped, and she couldn't stop that horrible noise that was coming from her throat. It went on over and over again, rising and falling and scraping the hot night into shreds. She's pretty terrible, isn't she? What? I'm over here on the next balcony. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you. What'd you say? She's pretty terrible, isn't she? And she thinks that's a trained voice. Awful. Does she do it often or only when the moon is full? Oh, she goes on like that almost every evening. You must be new around here. I just got into New York this afternoon. Are you visiting Mr. Morley? Well, in a way, he went out of town and I'm staying in his apartment. I didn't mean to sound prying, but he told me he was going on a vacation and I wondered if he'd left. Her family must be all deaf mutes. No, she lives alone. Well, that's not hard to understand. Hasn't the manager done anything about it? She has too much money. They'd never ask her to move. But someone should do something. Well, they could always try strangling her. What did you say? They could always try strangling her. Oh. Oh, she heard you. Uh, Do you think so? I hope so. Well, I must be going in. Good night. Good night. It was in the lobby the next afternoon that I met her. When she came up to me, I knew instinctively that she was the songbird of the night before. She was past middle age and was ignoring it. Her hair was dyed and piled up in coquettish curls, and she used some kind of heavy, sweet perfume that was overpowering. She came tripping up with the usual old white poodle dog yapping at her heels. Uh, pardon me. Would you hold this package for a moment? I have so many things, I'll never find my key. Well, I Oh, was thank just, uh, you so much. Ooh, how petty. Is that nice, making such a fuss at this charming gentleman? What will he think? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do if this dreadful weather keeps up. Yes, it has been. I've always been on the delicate side, and I've never been able to stand the heat. When my husband was alive, uh, he's dead now, uh, he always whisked me away to the ocean the first warm day, even when I was in the theater. My manager would be furious. Well, I can understand. Oh, dear, I can't imagine where my key is. Um, Would you hold Petty for me? Well, I'm not... Oh, thank you. (laughs) No, 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 he won't hurt you. My husband used to say to me, Violet, uh, my real name is Imogene, but he called me Violet. It's always been my favorite color. Violet, he used to say, you must go to the sea or you'll be withering those lovely petals of yours. 
And before I knew it, we were in Atlantic City. Yes, it... Oh, there's that horrid little key. On my key ring of all places. Well, those things sometimes happen. Oh, thank you so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. Nothing my a... husband used to always say, Violet, you're a woman who needs a man around. Of course, he was a pillar of strength himself. And to think of his dying of a gallbladder that way. Well, thank you again. What, what did you say your name is? Carlson. How nice. Carlson. Such a sturdy, dependable name. So suitable for a man. <laughs> you must come up and have tea with me sometime. I have a special Chinese brand. It smells like dead flowers. Going up. Oh, uh, going up. Well, only water and meat That next meeting would be never as far as I was concerned at that point. But it actually happened that night. She was at the scales again about nine o'clock, and there was a desperate urgency in her singing. It was a last frantic attempt to stop the clock and the double chins and the fading life. Those pathetic scales had a shrill terror that made me embarrassed listening to them. Well, as though I were eavesdropping on some shameful secret. It was when I went to leave the balcony that I saw the sheet music lying behind the urn. My impulse was a humanitarian one, and I threw it in the wastebasket. But for some unknown reason, I suddenly felt a kind of pity for that woman singing up al alone there. The next thing I knew, I was on my way upstairs with the music. Yes? What do you want? Uh, is Mrs. Um, is uh, Violet in? Violet? <laughs> I'm sorry, old boy. She must have given you the wrong number. Oh, I thought it was on this floor. Hold, uh, hold on a minute. If you mean Mrs. Uh, Pondecker, it's in the next apartment. Oh, sorry to have bothered you. Going in for tea? Or do you have your own bank account? Thank you very much. Oh, not at all. I'm always glad to help um, a music lover. As I stood there in the hall, I began to think about that leer he had given me. I was about to turn back when the door opened. Oh, Mr. Carson, you've come for that tea after all. How nice. Oh, be quiet, Betty. Do come in. Oh, but I Not only can... word. Come along. Violet had outdone herself in a trailing negligee of purple chiffon, and the usual clutching hand went with the outfit. There was something obscene about that hand. Fingers heavy with diamonds, the red nails too polished, obscene and pathetic. The room was heavy and operatic, just like her. There were glass cases and curio cabinets filled with every imaginable kind of glittering thing. Rings, bracelets, brooches. Most of it in terrible taste, but all of it unquestionably expensive. Oh, admiring my collection? Most everyone does. Your friend, Mr. Morley, just never... <laughs> Oh, I do believe he's jealous of you. You know he has a sixth sense about admirers. I remember when I was in the theater, he used to carry on dreadfully when my dressing room was filled with fans. He bit my husband in the leg. Oh, now, now sit down in this chair. I'm afraid all the others are too small for a big man like you. Well, I really came to return this music. It must have blown down on my balcony. Oh. Roses of Picardy. It's always been one of my favorites. My husband simply adored it. 
I remember I sang it to him on Saturday night. And that Sunday afternoon, he was dead. Well, I can't... Well, that must have been a shock. I sometimes wonder that I've found the courage and strength to go on. Of course, my music has been a great consolation. Oh, now, you sit right down. I won't be a moment. Peppy will look after you, won't you, Peppy? Roses are shining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come here, dear, and answer that. It's probably the elevator boy. <laughs> I've, uh, I've come to take the door. Oh, a new one. Yes, what is it? Oh, I came for Mrs. Pondecker's dog to take him for a walk. Here he is, and he's all yours. Thanks. Come on, Rin Tin Tin. <laughs> I didn't care for the way the elevator boy smirked. And as I sat there in her apartment with that heavy perfume suffocating me, I cared less for the trapped feeling I was beginning to have. It wasn't until two days later in the garage that the trap closed. All right, I'm sorry, but that that barking dog, that is not a good sound effect. That, well, that's a, that's some sound that, effects guy. I agree, but you said you could do it better, I could so do I want to hear it. No, I'm just saying, I could, do, <laughs> I could do better than that dog. I'm sure you could, but... Or that dog, that guy. <laughs> there you go. The guy or girl, I'm guessing it's a guy, doing I'm, that that dog barking. He could work on it a little bit. I mean, that was not... I mean, this was a big show. I was going right? to say, and this is suspense. This is like... The most expensive show on radio, other than Lux Radio Theater, you would think they would have found somebody that could do a really more sound like a dog, right? Like you. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's probably better than that guy. It was similar. <laughs> <laughs> they could have hired Simba. You would have. That's you would right. have had Simba do you it. Betcha, all, all for money, right? <laughs> he's for he's for hire. <laughs> all right, we're listening to suspense. This is called Murder Off-Key, and it's the barking is off-key. Yes, it yes, is. me. Zachary Scott starring more of Suspense and more of Hollywood 360 in a minute. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and & Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Carl Amari. And I'm very happy to say that because you know what? I love doing this. I love doing this radio show. What is that you're eating there? Nothing. What is that? What is that? Uh-uh. that? It's a cough nothing. drop? Was it a cough drop or nope. something? Nothing. It's not going to tell me. Um, we're listening to Suspense. Yes, we are. A little well, off key. 
Yeah, it's called murder <laughs> off key. I know. <laughs> How's that Roma wines there? Oh, well, it, you know, as the night goes on, it gets more delicious. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a big bottle. I know it. Roma it's a long night, there. Carl. <laughs> uh, we're, so the woman in this show, Verna Felton, she did a ton of radio, ton of TV. She's uh, She does a great job as kind of the, the annoying neighbor. And then I'm not sure who's doing the sound effects. Uh, I know one thing for sure. Carl Shadow would know. I was just going to say, if he's listening, then we'll know Carl shortly. Will, will probably text me and say, oh, that was so-and-so that did the, uh, you know, that did the uh, dog barking. Right. But not very well. <laughs> no. I, I don't think so. Um, but a great show. We're going to get back to it now. November 15th, 1945. Here's the conclusion to Suspense. Good morning, Mr. Carson. Can I do anything for you? No, thanks, Joe. Just want to get my sunglasses out of the compartment. Well, the car's right over here, sir. I cleaned it up for you. It was a mess, let me tell you. You must have run into something. What? The whole front was stuck with brown stuff and white fur, like like you hit a, a dog or a cat, maybe. Funny, I don't remember hitting anything. Well, don't worry. I cleaned it all off. Hey, Joe, just a minute. Uh, is something wrong? Well, tell that help of yours my car isn't an ash can. They've dumped all these old newspapers in the back. Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Mr. Carson. Hey, just give them to me. I'll throw them out. Boy, they sure are a mess. Looks like something out of the butcher shop, don't it? Well, it won't happen again. You can bet your bottom dollar on that, sir. When I came upstairs, I was still trying to figure out the angle of those stained old newspapers, but I didn't have long to wait. I found out the minute I stepped in the lobby. Oh, Mr. Carlson, thank heaven you're here. I've been out of my mind. It's petty. He's disappeared. We can't find him anywhere. I just know he's been run over. I just know it. Run over? But uh, when did this happen? Last night when this wretched boy took him out. Now, look, Mrs. Pondecker, it's like I told you. I only stopped in for a cup of coffee, and the next thing I know, the dog's gone. Of course he's gone. Some uncouth person in that saloon undoubtedly made off with him. Well, there's only one thing to do, and that is to offer a large reward. Don't you agree, Mr. Carlson? Oh, yes, yes, that's a good idea. But I knew as sure as I was standing there that nothing would bring Petty back. Just as I knew that he had been in my car sometime last night lying on those old newspapers... That's why I wasn't too surprised at first when the heavy blonde man with a soft voice came to see me. Mr. Frederick Carlson? Yes, that's right. I'm from headquarters. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about this Pondecker business. Have they uh, found the dog? So you knew about that, huh? Well, she mentioned it to me. You two were pretty friendly, weren't you? Well, I spoke to her a couple of... Say, what is this? A dog runs off and you come in my place full of innuendos? I don't There's see... no need to get excited, Mr. Carlson. I'm just checking up on the people who last saw her alive. I still say... What are you talking about? She's dead? Very much so. She was strangled sometime last night. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you a star, Mr. Zachary Scott, in Murder Off Key by Gene Russ Kern. Roma Wine's presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. The 
heavy blonde man with a soft voice asked a few more questions after that, and then he left. The motive was robbery. Very valuable jewelry and a great deal of money, everything gone. It seemed Violet was in the habit of drawing out large sums and keeping them around in old beaded purses and tarnished gilt boxes. It all fitted in with Violet, who was so helpless without her pillar of strength and who sang those desperate jangling scales. Obviously, she had no idea of financial matters. Somebody else had plenty of other ideas, and I was one of them. I knew it that night when I went around to the corner automat. Yes, I was definitely one of them. There was no doubt about it. Do you mind if I join you, Mr. Carlson? It was soft voice, smiling down at me over a cup of coffee and a piece of pie. Murder a la mode. I always come here for their apple pie. You ever tried it? I haven't gotten around to it. You should. It's excellent. Can I have the sugar? Thank you. How did you happen to come here for your vacation? Oh, I don't know. I was short on cash, and when Morley wrote and suggested I stay in his place, it seemed like a good idea at the time. You don't have that letter, do you? Say, what is this? No need to get excited, Mr. Carlson. I was just asking. (coughs) You really should try this pie. The apples are just right, firm and tart. What do you think happened to the dog? How should I know? It's a very interesting angle. I understand he was a regular burglar alarm, always barked if anyone ever came to the door. And then he disappears the night before her death. Very convenient, don't you agree? It would look that way. Could I have some more of that sugar? Thank you. I never seem to get enough. Did you drive up to New York? That's right, and I haven't run over any dogs or anything else, so you can skip that. There's no need to get excited, Mr. Carlson. I never suggested that you did. I was just asking a simple question. And if you haven't any more simple questions on your mind, I'll be uh, going on. Of course. Don't let me detain you. I think I'll have another piece of this pie. You really should try it sometime, Mr. Carlson. As I walked away, I could feel him watching me. Hunched over the table, his small eyes wary and suspicious. There's no doubt about it. I was the idea. I rode around on the top of a bus for almost an hour, and I kept thinking about the dog and the white fur and those stained newspapers. I knew I had to go to the garage and have another look at my car. The garage seemed deserted, and only one arc light cut the blackness that stretched silently ahead. It was when I passed the office booth that I first heard the voices. There were two men, and they were standing by my car. It was soft boys, full of apple pie and suspicion and wide awake on those two cups of coffee, and he was asking Joe about my car. Well, it, it looked like he hit something, but I couldn't say it was a dog. It might have been a cat. But you're certain about the white fur. Hmm? Was there anything else you noticed? No, I don't think... Well, there was them newspapers... At first, I thought, uh, seeing as how they were all stained, that uh, maybe he had put in them uh, whatever he hit, you know? Hey, excuse me a minute. Somebody must be out there. Well, well, Mr. Carlson, glad you came in. Perhaps you can clear up a few things for us. Look, I don't know anything about the newspapers or the stain, but I can tell you this much. I never ran over her dog, and I can prove it. Well, then. That's all we're interested in. I haven't taken the car out since I came to New York. Joe here can tell you that. Huh? Well, you did take it out once, Mr. Carson, the night before last. Are you crazy? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Carson, but I, I remember you called up and asked me to bring it around. 
Here, you can look at my record book. Here. <laughs> you must have forgotten about it, see? Because, uh, here, see? Here it is. Carlson, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. That must have been just about the time the elevator boy took the dog for his walk. From that time on, Soft Voice was after me. I was his man, and he didn't miss a trick. Now, you say you talked to Carlson last Saturday. Yes, sir. I was sitting out on the balcony. Did he mention Mrs. Pondecker in the conversation? We heard her singing. She had an awful voice. And he asked about her, whether she had a family or lived alone. I don't remember anything else, but, but it was the oddest thing. I mean, his suggesting strangling her, and, and now this. It makes you think, doesn't it? And Mr. Carlson came to your door the other night? Yes, Yes, he was asking for some woman by the name of uh, Violet. At first, I never connected it with Mrs. Pondecker. She seemed a bit old for him. But uh, you never can tell. Probably mutual interest in uh, music. Hmm? Yeah, that's right. I came to get the dog, and this Carlson guy opens the door. But I don't think nothing of it. Working on the elevator, you see a lot of that. Oh, some of the stuff I could tell you. <laughs> It was about this time that I began hearing those scales again. They were so shrill and desperate, I thought everyone else must hear them, too. I even heard her on the elevator. What are you staring at? Nothing, Mr. Carlson. This is your floor. Uh, do you think the police will catch the guy who done it? I don't know. No, I figure it must have been somebody who knew her and been in her place. Oh, those old dames always go for the young guys. I say, find her boyfriend and you got to kill her. Am I right? Why ask me? How should I know? Well, you don't have to get sore, Mr. Carlson. I was just asking. Well, what are you waiting for? Me? Nothing. Shut up. Stop it. Do you hear me? The concert's over. Good evening, Mr. Carlson. What? I hope I didn't startle you. The elevator boy let me in. What's on your mind? I just wanted to go over a few points with you. Do you know anything about a resort called Orchard Beach? It's not far from here. Yes, I stayed there for a couple of weeks last summer. Why? It's strange you never ran into Mrs. Pondecker. She played in the summer theater there. I told you I never saw her before I came here. If you're trying to pin this on me, you're wasting your time. Now, look, how could I plan this thing? I never even knew I was coming here till Morley wrote and asked me. He'll tell you that. Unfortunately, we can't seem to contact Mr. Morley. You don't have his present address, do you? All he said was something about a camping trip, but he's bound to turn up in a couple of days, and he'll set you straight on all this. That is, if he turns up alive. What do you mean by that? I was just considering a possibility. After all, if anything happened to Mr. Morley, he couldn't back up your story, and he couldn't deny it either, could he? Well, I'll be getting along. Good night, Mr. Carlton. That night, the scales were louder than ever. They went on. Over and over, echoing in the room, shrill and urgent. And I couldn't shut them up. Shut up! Do you hear me? Shut up! What the devil's going on in here? Oh, Morley. Morley, good Lord, I thought you'd never turn up. Well, I always say it's nice to be wanted, but 
If I'm not too inquisitive, may I ask what you're doing in my place? Oh, I'm waiting for you to... So you can tell them about the letter. Letter? The one you wrote when you asked me to come here. Look, I don't care if you stayed here, but I didn't write you. But you must have, Morley. I read the letter. I tell you I saw it. I held it in my hands. It was real. All right, Carlson. Don't be so tragic about it. After all, it's not a matter of life and death. It most certainly is. Look, Morley. You don't know what's been going on around here. Ever since I first came to New York... Crazy. There doesn't seem to be any way out. Mm. Well, Carlson, there's uh, no point in sitting out here on the balcony all night. No? Oh, I'll admit you're in a bad jam, but it's not hopeless. They haven't arrested you. It's only a matter of time. They haven't any proof. And I can tell the police I wrote that letter. Uh, well, I suppose I can. Well, you'll have to be more convincing than that. No, thanks. My neck's in the noose, and I might as well face it. Now, let's not be noble, Carlson. It's only a technicality. I think I can make them believe me. It's too late now. They're here. Who's here? The police. The car just pulled up. You sure? Soft voice, yeah. And I don't like the way he's bouncing with so much energy. Why should he come now? Someone must have tipped him off at your back. He was as anxious to see you as I was. Morley, is there a backstairs here? Well, yes, why? Well, I'm going to try to get out. It's my only chance. Will you help me? Certainly, Carlson. I'll show you where to go. I can at least do that. I had to try. I couldn't just lie down and take that rap, and there was no way under heaven I could escape it legally. I followed Morley off the balcony, and when we got to his living room, I... it was almost more than I could stand, because the singing started again. Not the scales this time. Roses of Picardy. Roses of Picardy. She was going to follow me all my life. I almost dropped in my tracks. But something, I guess you'd call it a hunch... Something about the stiffness of Morley's back made me hang on. Then Morley swung round. Who is... It was more than a hunch. Morley was sweating. I decided to play it for all it was worth. Who... Who's that? Who's what? Don't you, uh... Don't you hear something? What are you talking about? Uh, nothing, uh... Well, come on, you better hurry. Well, I don't know. Hurry up, Carlson. I don't know. Now that I think of it, I don't know. But you said yourself... But all my life, I'd be ducking the law for something I didn't do. You said yourself it's your only chance. Yes, but that'd be worse than being convicted. Anyway, how could they convict me? The evidence is all circumstantial. There's an awful lot of evidence, Carlson. The dog being killed by your car, the threat you made against her, and your being at Orchard Beach at the same time she was there. Yeah, that's a clincher, all right. But how did you know? Are you... How did you know I was at Orchard Beach? I never told you. You haven't talked to Soft Voice yet. Come on, Morley, tell me how you did it. Tell me how you killed Mrs. Pondecker. You're out of your mind. How did you pull the car business? Did you disguise your voice and take the keys while I was out of the apartment? That'd be simple enough to do. Crazy. And that sheet music on the balcony, did you plant it? Well, you had me right where you wanted me. A beautiful frame-up. It's a shame to ruin it. I don't have to ruin it. I can... Oh, no. You can't kill me, Morley. I'm your fall guy. Remember? I can kill you in self-defense. I can kill a murderer who's living in my apartment, who's threatened me. Unfortunately, the police didn't get here in time. And in simple self-defense, I had to... Oh. But they did get here in time, Morley. Yes, Carlson. You're very lucky. How much did you hear? Enough. Enough. 
He was a slick boy. He had you measured for the noose, all right. How'd you get him to open up? Well, in a way, I didn't. It was the roses of Picardy. Roses of... Well, I thought it was Mrs. Pondecker, and when she started Roses of Picardy, Morley thought so, too. Scared him green. Scared him more than me. You know, I thought everyone felt the same way about Violet singing, but not the little girl next door. The only thing she had against Violet's voice was professional jealousy. She thought her voice was better, but Violet could drown her out. Listen. Well, somebody else will have to strangle her. Roma Wines have brought you Zachary Scott as star of Murder Off Key. Tonight's study in Suspense. Zachary Scott appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers Studios and is currently appearing in Mildred Pierce. Next Thursday, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Lloyd Nolan in Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Lisa, let me have a swig of that Roma wines there. Because... Um, I don't like to share spit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wipe it off. There's uh, too many viruses going around you right know, now. You <laughs> know, I'm listening to this Roma wines commercial and I'm thinking, that sounds pretty good. Lisa's got a big giant bottle of it right over here. Let me just try it. Let me take a squig. I'll get a cup for you. A nice plastic cup that you can drink your wine in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is Murder Off Key Suspense, starring Zachary Scott. And uh, November 15th, 1945 broadcast. Great supporting cast. Are you ready for the supporting cast on this show? Yet Verna Felton was the woman. Wally Mayer, Jerry Hausner, Elliot Lewis, Joseph Kearns, Conrad Binion, Kathy Lewis. I mean, that's a cast right, right. there. And then some guy going. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, they could have hired you. It'd be about the same. I would have probably charged less. Uh, prob- I'm, I'm, You'd probably I, have done it for nothing. I will do a lot of stuff for not a lot of money. Yes, I am right? with you on I've that, unfortunately. Hired. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hired to do things that like, and then I get the check and it's like, oh my gosh, I did all that work for what, for 38 bucks? Right. I mean, you know, so but I would you feel good inside. You know, it all depends on what the the gig is. If it's, if it's, a, if it's for... You know, the the good of the world, I'll do it, right? For I 38 guess, bucks. I guess that's, you know, biased, <laughs> but to be determined. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed Suspense. Time now for This Month in Music History. All right, so on this hour, we're going back to 1970 with this song. Why do birds suddenly appear? I mean, this brings back great memories. Every time. You are near 
I can remember listening to this song as a kid. Me too. Uh, this was on her uh, uh, greatest hits album that I got in 1972, I think. Why do Maybe 1970. I take it back. 1970. Because that's when this was released. So this was written by Burt Backrack and Hal David. Released in 1970. Stayed at the top of the charts for four weeks. And of course, this is Karen Carpenter. Yes, it is. I wanted to sing just like Karen Carpenter. You know, my in my house, there was my brother, who was 12 years older than me, and my two sisters who were 13 and 14 years older. So the three of them were all around the same age. And then there was this big gap. And they used to have a little record player, right, and songs. And they would sit in the living room and play music. And I was a kid, so I was like, eh, you know. But they played this song a lot. I can remember. This takes me right back to 5041 North Herald Street, Schiller Park, Illinois. And our house there was a happy house. My mom and dad and the four of us, and I remember sitting around that living room and listening to this song. Well, I have happy memories with this song as well, which is why I chose it. I put this on my little gray Panasonic record player, and I, you know, pretend to have a microphone and just enjoy a little Karen Carpenter. Well, now you have a real microphone. That's right. I sure do. And Roma Wine. <laughs> it's a good combo. All right. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> sure. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. On the day that you were born, the angels got together. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, it's the Great Gildersleeve from 1943. But we need a caller to play Name That Tom Petty tune. That's right. These are all Tom Petty songs that you know and love. If you would like to call in, be on the air, give us a call right this very minute. 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number nine. All right, call us, play the game, win a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier. 